This is an ABC podcast. If you're a Pacific Islander, chances are you have been impacted by diabetes. My grandma passed away in 1979, just a few months before I was born uh, from diabetes complications. So we knew that it's genetic. Uh, diabetes is there in the family tree. Seleniata Awea is an Itauke Fijian woman who is pursuing a PhD in nutrition. We met her a few weeks ago in our episode on caring for older people. Her father has diabetes and so did her mother, but they didn't find out until it was too late. Over the years while growing up, we never really took notice or maybe interest in diabetes until 2015, just one month short of my mom's 62nd birthday. On a Saturday night, I got a call from my sister when I've heard news about my mom. Uh, she passed away. And that took us all by surprise because she was always active and uh, doing everything for the family. And my dad was the more sick, ill health one as compared to her. It wasn't until after her mother died that Selenyata learned just how sick she had been. Once I got the death certificate, I had a look and it was from septicemia, which um, uh, was also due to complications of diabetes. And I knew then that um, diabetes had taken uh, another life, which was so close to me, uh, my mom. I later found out that uh, she had very low sugar level, very low as in three, and she had hypoglycemia, which resulted in sepsis. And uh, it was uh, just sudden that nothing could be done at that stage. But uh, I got a shock because she carried on until the very last hour. And understanding about diabetes, I realized that she would have had all the symptoms uh, showing and none of us uh, knew about it. Sadly, this experience is all too common. Around one in eight adults in the Pacific have diabetes, and it's believed that half of those people are undiagnosed, just like Selenyata's mother. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about type 2 diabetes in the Pacific. Type 2 diabetes is one of the biggest health issues facing Pacific people. A recent study from the World Health Organization points to women and girls, the people who typically feed their families, as being key to stopping this epidemic. But does this make us the problem as well as the solution? And will this be yet another burden on women who are already buckling under other societal pressures? Imported foods are a big part of the problem processed, high-sugar foods are cheap and convenient for people who don't have the time or money to shop for local healthier meats and vegetables. Lucille Paro is local to Port Mosby and has seen a dramatic change in people's diets locally. When we're looking at the, the city of Port Mosby itself and the, the type of food that is being promoted, um, a, a lot of people are actually looking at... The, the soft drinks and and food that is that is more sugary than what is our organic food and the, the level of um, encouragement into the types of food that we should be selling um, we we have our we have our food markets our fruit markets but when it comes to advertising of food we 
you can see it on all our um, TV programs. They all advertise the junk food. They advertise the the soft drinks, the carbonized drinks, and we're not looking at our own organic products. And when it comes to the agriculture sector, it's not being pushed as much as it should be. When majority of our people who sell vegetables and fruits, they're, they're left out. And when it comes to SMEs as well, where we're not looking at food and what type of um, vitamins they have in, in, in those products, what type of content do they have, that the breakdown of it is not looked at. Lucille is concerned about the way junk food is targeted at children. Our schools where our children are at, a lot of the stuff that are sold and accessible by, by children are lollies, um, junk food, and, and stuff that are not really healthy when we should be encouraging our people to sell items that would be healthy for, for our children and, and the future generations. My observation is a lot of the schools sell junk food. Parents are, are sitting there selling junk food and they, they don't have a lot of schools going out and telling parents, okay, um, no soft drinks, the amount of food that is given to our children. And basically because it's cheaper. If you, if you want to buy an apple, it's normally priced at two kina. And the average child who's given bus fare to go to, go to school, if they sacrifice and get, the, get an apple for two kina, they might not have the bus fare to go home. So they will prefer to buy the lolly and the junk food that would be, would be priced less. And even though there's a, a diabetes uh, department it, within, within the health sector itself, um, they don't go out to tell people that, right, this is a type of food you should be eating. They, they don't do that. And the awareness is not put out as to, right, there's a type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and what food you should avoid, what food you should be encouraged, what type of diets we should be on. Uh, we've completely forgotten our, our organic food. And it's, it's something that is a, it's a very growing, it, it's a growing concern for myself when I look at our people. I've heard um, within personally, my own family, um, I would, I could say that about 85% of the, my family members, um, I'm not saying within my immediate family, but extended family, we've had deaths that have resulted from diabetes. And it's, it's, it's not good. That was Lucille Paro from Port Moresby on her concerns about junk food and how it has led to a type 2 diabetes health crisis. Why has unhealthy processed food become more popular for people living in the Pacific Islands than the abundant fresh fish, fruits, and vegetables. Jennifer Taumopea grew up in Tonga and now lives in Australia. She is completing a master's in public health and is passionate about researching the impacts of diabetes in Tonga and across the Pacific. The cost of living changed, so then those foods were more cheaper than the, the fresh foods that we'd get um, from the markets, you know, taro, tabioca, um, fish, High-fat, low-protein meat cuts that consumers in countries like Australia and New Zealand don't want are often exported to the Pacific. In 2013, Samoa had to lift its ban on turkey tail imports from the U.S. when they joined the World Trade Organization because it violated WTO rules on targeting individual products. 
Jennifer says lamb flaps are much cheaper in Australia because they are considered dog food. I have dogs where I would go and get like a few, um, you know, lamb flap offcuts and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like $3.99 here, but it's the exact same meat that you would get in Tonga for um, $12 a kilo. And um, that's considered like a luxury for um, for Tongans because they would have that for um, Sunday lunch. Last year, Jennifer was the lead author on a research paper looking at the barriers and enablers for people with type 2 diabetes in Tonga. She says awareness around healthy diet is a big issue, particularly for women. Like when I went and did research, it was interesting to see um, most women weren't knowledgeable in terms of um, a healthy diet. And so to them, they would just go and get the easiest, most cheapest thing to buy from the corner shop for her and her family. So she would go and get like uh, two-minute noodles with um, hot dogs um, and then prepare that for, for the family, not knowing that it's, it's unhealthy for not only her but her, her kids and, and, and her husband. So you um, see a lot of... Um, like a change and like when you compare a, a healthy meal that you would have here to a healthy meal that your auntie would have back home in Tonga. How does religion and faith shape an action when it comes to diabetes? Because our values, our, our cultural values and part of our identity is our religion. And so in order to address health, Tongans believe that you must have a um, healthy spiritual life as well as your physical and your mental. So if, if one is weakened, then the others are, are not balanced well. So, so they always have this um, motivating factor where they link prayer and, and, and God into controlling their, their diabetes or, or helping them with their diet. And so always believing that there's a higher person above them that, that could help them ultimately in terms of their health and, and their diabetes. So that was one of the major factors motivating them to control their um, diabetes in that sense, like where they would link God and their religion. That was Jennifer Taumopeau, a public health researcher from Tonga, now based in Australia. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. So what exactly is type 2 diabetes and why is it killing so many people we love? Dr. Serena Natuman is a doctor in Vanuatu, where an average of 1 in 11 people live with type 2 diabetes. Uh, I think a lot of people know what diabetes is. It's a... Uh, um, usually a lifestyle disease. It's more of a resistance to insulin. So your body develops a resistance because of your lifestyle to insulin. And so you're unable to transport glucose uh, or sugar into your cells to use it up. Um, and so it uh, accumulates in your body and then increases your sugar levels. What are some common symptoms of type 2 diabetes? So when your sugars are not controlled, the symptoms they can have is uh, polyuria, so they pass a lot of urine, they're thirsty a lot, they lose a lot of weight, unintentional weight loss, 
Um, and also they start having visual, visual problems, equity problems. So they, their vision's a lot cloudy compared to what it was before. It can uh, impact women also in very different ways. Can you run through some of those impacts? Yeah, um, in women, so sometimes we have gestational diabetes. So women that are pregnant and they end up with uh, uh, diabetes and usually after pregnancy, it's associated with pregnancy, it should resolve uh, unless they are type 2 diabetes. So before, like for example, in Vanuatu, we used to have those 50 years and above with di type 2 diabetes. Now we have women as young as 30 years old. Um, and then that also affects some of the women who are obese with diabetes. It affects their fertility as well uh, when they want to have a family. What impact can that have on a baby? Yeah, so if it's gestational diabetes, uh, their babies go macrosomic, which means their babies are quite large. Um, and then so during delivery, there might be issues uh, in delivering the baby itself. Uh, but also when, once the baby is delivered, they have very low sugar levels. Um, and if you do not catch it quite early, it can affect the baby because they usually say low sugar is worse than uh, high sugar and because you can have certain problems with it as well. And then when you have, uh, for women, uh, for example, when they have other conditions uh, associated with obesity as well, like polycystic ovarian disease, which is also associated with diabetes, they find it very hard to have babies. And also if their diabetes is not well controlled and at the, they're at the childbearing age, uh, some of these women can lose their babies. They can have miscarriages quite early during their pregnancy. Type 2 diabetes has become so common in the Pacific that we have begun to accept it as inevitable. But this is not the case. Type 2 diabetes can be avoided. I asked Dr. Natuman what we can do to tackle it. I think a lot of awareness on, on the fact that it is a lifestyle disease. And um, women tend to, once you have children, you, you really uh, focus on your family. So they really do have less time for themselves, less time to exercise. Um, so they tend to be obese and then you, you develop all these conditions. And then, so a lot of awareness on how diabetes is, comes about and how to prevent it. So simple exercising and also those types of sugary food, they need to, the content of uh, food, they need to revert back to what we used to have in the old days, you know, going back to the uh, island kaikai. Do not fill up your plate with all your taro, your kumala. Don't eat all the rice, you know. Because of rice, a lot of us are having diabetes. Dr. Natumun says governments have a role to play in encouraging healthier choices. And I think the government can help by trying to tax a lot of these food items, like the sugary drinks. Like in Vanuatu, we've just started it. Make island kakai more, more cheaper than uh, some of the food in our shops because we find a lot of packaged foods in the shop are quite cheaper. And the ones coming in the market are becoming much more expensive than the ones that are imported. And you are at the front line, you see, you know, people impacted by diabetes. Uh, what do you observe in the hospitals? If we compare 10 years ago, our, our hospitals were filled with infectious disease, so tuberculosis, pneumonia, and not diabetes. We had one or two patients with diabetes. That's 10 years ago. And now every second bed in the hospital is a diabetes complication. Either it is they foot with an amputation 
uh, coming in with a sepsis or they have kidney issues. Their kidney is end-stage kidney disease and they need a dialysis, which we cannot offer them. They have eyes problem. They have retinopathy and usually at the terminal stage where we, we can't do much with that, where they might need laser treatment. And then we have all those with heart attacks. And heart attacks before in Vanuatu 10 years ago, we had one or two. Now we're having, in one week, we can have up to 10 people admitted over the you know, five days with heart attack. And usually it's because they've underlying diabetes with them. Type 2 diabetes can be controlled if it's diagnosed and treated early. But Dr. Nautuman told me many people don't come to see her until it's too late. We observe a lot of people coming in quite late. And a majority of them knew they had diabetes or even high blood pressure, but they decided not to take their medications. They decided to either also go into uh, traditional medications, a traditional healing. Uh, and so they can go 10 years without medication. And by the time they present at the hospitals, they already have some terminal complications. And a majority of these uh, terminal complications are kidney failure and in Vanuatu because we do not have the dialysis. Uh, a lot of these people do have, they do lose their lives. Pacific Islanders, we just eat to be full Social gatherings are places where we just love interacting and eating a lot and filling up that plate. We need to start um, educating people to to serve a lot more healthier food as well as watching what they eat and also exercising, um, how much exercise is good for them. Um, And you need to at least start this quite early when the kids are at school rather than later because, you know, they can make changes when they're quite young and make it a habit. Once you're getting older, sometimes it's quite difficult to to change your lifestyle because you're quite used to it. That's Dr. Seriana Natuman, a doctor in Vanuatu on the front line of the type 2 diabetes crisis. At the beginning of the episode, you heard from Selenetta Hawea, whose mother died from complications of type 2 diabetes just before her 62nd birthday. She told me that if she had just known her mother was sick, there is so much she could have done to help. I mean, we had the knowledge. My family comes from a health background, so I did nutrition, which I did uh, worked for the Fiji National University, uh, connected to health as well, nutrition and dietetics. So we knew all about all these complications and what it could do. But it was just all of a sudden that I realized for myself that we could have done more. And I just worked right next to a medical clinic, which was just a few minutes away from home where my parents live, where we, our home was. So we could have done, bring her to the clinic and those usual outpatient clinics. She could have come and get diagnosed early and get all the management care. Even there was finances that we could afford for private doctors. My dad was working a very good uh, consultancy work. So A lot of regrets came around, but then there was nothing that we could do, but we can only use our expertise in raising awareness for the future and for my current uh, family that's alive. Good on you. And you're a lecturer in dietetics uh, and now starting for your PhD in New Zealand. We know that processed foods are to blame for diabetes Mm -hmm. epidemic. Uh, What are some ways to stop this? 
Uh, there's quite a lot of uh, studies done on diabetes in Fiji now. And also from my experiences, that there's a lot of uh, excess calorie that comes from uh, not mostly carbohydrate, as people assume. Uh, this would mean taro and uh, our usual traditional diet, but it's more in the carbs, carbohydrates from the refined foods or the or the the packaged carbohydrate foods like rice and sugar, flour. So the diet has really changed from that that we used to have, our grandparents have, to what's now more refined. And there's also excess calorie from fat. Some of the studies have found that, that there's a lot of butter and margarine consumption. And I did a study on the university students, unpublished, which found excess calorie from protein foods, which young adults were consuming. And it's just amazing to see that a lot of these studies are showing that our dietary pattern has changed in Fiji, and it would probably apply to other Pacific Island countries, that uh, these dietary changes has influenced a lot of chronic diseases such as diabetes. So excess calorie would lead to chronic disease such as um, obesity, which uh, have been found to be closely related to diabetes and other diseases such as cardiovascular. So all these metabolic uh, conditions have come about from changing our diet. These other factors like physical inactivity and stress level. I think because studies and also from my experience and also studies that I've done that has caused these lifestyle diseases. So it'll be the best way is to go back by lifestyle. Uh, that means to correct dietary habits, to correct physical inactivity and other factors that contribute to diabetes. Yes. Hmm. And the, we're from the Pacific. There's an abundance mm. of fresh food available yes. in the islands. Why do you think it's so hard you know, for people, like you mentioned, to get back to traditional foods and diets? Yes, um, not only just dietary changes as well as the the living arrangements and convenience uh, plays a lot of other roles. Uh, more working people, especially mothers, moving away from the domestic uh, roles and now uh, going into uh, working uh, settings. So a lot of people are relying on what is easy what is convenient, which we don't realize that it's costing us our lives and all these diseases that are coming up and also the younger generation. So, um, in fact, they don't have uh, the, maybe what the word I can say is the correct or the right role models in families that can guide them to eat healthy and do uh, correct uh, lifestyle habits so maybe what they're learning and seeing every day that's readily available, those are the things that they're eating. And then there's other factors like cost and availability. But the, on the other hand, we see an abundance of supply of fruits and vegetables and just other fresh foods like seafoods, uh, which we can take advantage of. A paper from the WHO suggested that uh, working with women and girls was the best way to um, tackle diabetes by influencing mm -hmm. what their family eats. What are your thoughts on this messaging? Yes, that's correct. And I would agree with that. Mothers and women are still the best role models at home. Uh, if you take a mother out, uh, you know, a lot of things can happen, but advising them, training mothers, uh, women, 
to be able to participate in decision makings at home and also in cooking preparations and cooking the right things for their family, uh, as often they are being blamed for being the culprit for cooking up foods that may be un unhealthy. So if they are trained and um, given that uh, encouragement, that training uh, spaces and also awareness, they would be able to go back and do food demos and choose the right foods. And they are the very critical components of a family arrangement or household, and they can easily influence the family to prepare and also eat healthy foods, provided if they have the, the chance and the opportunity. And you're in New Zealand now. What have you noticed about the differences between diets and the availability of food between Fiji and New Zealand? I believe it's uh, maybe it's because of my uh, health background, maybe because I have it, I can make the decisions and choices uh, to choose what is right to eat. Uh, there's not much uh, difference because I'm aware, I've been told that there are available uh, fresh uh, foods available, markets, they call it uh, day markets maybe or night markets, and they're widely available here in New Zealand as well. And the fruits and vegetables are in abundance and very cheap as well. So it's the awareness and the, the knowledge of what to pick, what to choose and what to go and prepare. There's a lot of foods that's available in New Zealand that can be chosen over the unhealthy foods. And I think it's the decision of the individual to choose healthy over the unhealthy foods. Yeah. Absolutely. The power of choice to mm. choose, you know, to eat ourselves to our deaths or, you know, try to mm. eat healthy and live longer. Choice is very mm. important, like you mentioned. But are those, you know, good healthy foods easy to access back home in Fiji? Healthier foods, uh, they would be found to be more expensive uh, say, for example, fish. The people would love to eat fish, but the bundles that of fish would cost more. So as compared to other sources of protein for seafoods, it would be just good and accessible and affordable to get canned foods over the, the fish. So there's also abundance of eggs. It's a bit cheap at home to get also the same equivalent of protein foods. But fruits and vegetables sold in the market. For those who can afford, they can. Even apples are being sold for six, five, four to six for two dollars. And I find that cheap uh, because they have comparative prices to also buy unhealthy foods for two dollars. So if people are aware what to choose over the unhealthy one, then um, it's still cheap. The long run uh, for healthy foods, it's still cheap. Um, and even to plant your own uh, backyard, have fruit trees, vegetables, um, I believe the, the cost is not much really a factor. It's just the decisions that people make as well that contribute to their choices. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. Do you see anything changing or any optimism? Yes, I find uh, I, I'm optimistic of all this. Uh, I believe there can always be uh, settings for changes that people can improve. For myself, I believe there are still spaces to talk about diabetes and other lifestyle conditions, like even heart attacks and other cardiovascular diseases. There are spaces that we can uh, encourage one another, that we can teach one another. Spaces like uh, I'm saying, uh, Facebook pages. A lot of people have Facebook pages that you can utilize to share useful information uh, and uh, uh, just chat over, talk about what we call Talano sessions, 
Other areas would be role models, just having role models around family and friends who can promote and create that awareness spaces, uh, encouraging cooking demos. When, whenever we have family gatherings, I'd be happy to see fruits and vegetables and salads. And a lot of people now are coming up with ideas how can make you know catering services more healthier. So yes, I'm optimistic that yes, we can make changes to uh, the current situation. And it's killing a lot of people back at home, close friends and families. That was Selenetta Awoya, who teaches nutrition and dietetics at Fiji University and is currently doing a PhD in nutrition in New Zealand. Thanks to all my guests today, Selenetta, Dr. Serena Natuman, Jennifer Taumopeau, and Lucille Paro. I hope you have learned something and maybe even feel inspired to make just one change in your life that will help you and your loved ones prevent type 2 diabetes. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, we'll celebrate storytelling. The most essential person to pass those stories on are we, the women of the world. Mm. Because we are the nurturers of children and babies. You have to tell those stories. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented and produced by me, Hilda Wayne. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunzner. Our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol Nabungim you next time.